Welcome everybody to another episode of Life Talk. Here with a special guest today. We uh, tried to actually make it happen a few times but because of confusion in time zone differences. It was a little hectic, but here we are today with Brandon Dawson, um, serial entrepreneur, um, partner of uh, Cardone Ventures, uh, if I say it correctly. Correct, yes, yes. Grant Cardone. And, um, and a lot of things that we're going to talk about today is how he started into all of the business that he built. Uh, who is uh, Brandon? And uh, was he a born entrepreneur or did it come later? Uh, again, with also the co-host Jennifer Tarasona. Uh, a lot of you guys much. have uh, requested uh, the, the fact that, you know, she is a, a great co-host to, to keep her coming back. So here we are today again. And um, yeah, uh, Brandon, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on in your time. Could you explain a little bit about who you are and where your journey as an entrepreneur started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am uh, Brandon Dawson, co-founder and CEO and business partner to the one and only 10X man, Grant Cardone. We partnered about four years ago to build a business enterprise uh, group that could help small to mid-sized businesses 10X their business. So we specialize in businesses between 5 million and 100 million. So we can grow them between 50 million and a billion. And so we launched this business about four years ago. Previous to that, I founded my third company in 2004, where I helped independent business owners grow and scale in the healthcare field and created a, a business enterprise that we sold in 2016 to a Danish public company for $155 million, uh, 77 times EBITDA, one of the highest values ever paid for a private company. And then we grew that billion dollar company to four and a half billion in six months. And previous to that, I was working for a company in my 20s and I decided I didn't want to have a boss. I didn't want to have a job and I wanted to take a stab at being an entrepreneur. So I launched my first business when I was 27 years old and I took it public on the American Stock Exchange at 29. It was a private equity backed consolidation and franchise company. Grew that and then it sold in 2000 and three. So I'm on my fourth iteration of businesses. And what we do is uh, specialize in helping independent business owners massively scale through their people, their systems, their marketing, their sales, their operations, and their leadership. Would you say um, when you were in college, uh, high school, that you always had a tendency for being an entrepreneur and starting businesses? Or is that something that came later? I think, uh, so I didn't go to college. Uh, I'm a, I barely got out of high school. I hated school. I hated <laughs> education. I think, I think yeah. for me, I was always a really super hard worker. I was always okay with, um, feeling confident. I can go out and make money and, and, and work hard. And I just had the mentality I'd outwork whoever I was working with. And so, you know, I, I, I think for me, once I started making a steady income inside of somebody else's business, I realized I had a lot of skill set and I had great uh, people and sales skills. I learned that growing up in, in a business and, and watching my family succeed. You know, my parents were hard workers, uh, my mom and my stepdad. I had two different sides of the family. So I had my mom and my stepdad 
they were entrepreneurs and I had my dad and my stepmom and they were raising kids and working multiple jobs to put us through school. So I had the mm -hmm. contrast and context of the entrepreneurial life versus the, the family life. And, and I just knew that I wanted more of the entrepreneurial life growing up. I didn't want a boss. I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't want a limitation on how much I can earn. And so I just decided in my mid twenties, if I didn't hurry up and start something, cause I had a newborn and a two and a half year old and bought a new house. I was getting comfortable. I was making a lot of money. And I decided if I didn't do it, then I'd probably never do it. So I decided to make that entrepreneurial run at 26 years old. Amazing. I wasn't born with it, but what I was born with is enough courage and enough dumbness that I would try anything. So I love that. It worked man. out for me. I love that. Yeah. I mean, isn't isn't that like also kind of like the sauce necessary to start and do some shit? You know, like I think a lot of people, uh, and also when we when we talk on this podcast, oh, I need to prepare this. I need to, you know, and I have to make a business plan and really i think the number one thing is is courage yes. um just having some balls to actually start doing it i would like to ask yeah. you something because it's very interesting so it's like uh, the, the idea starting in your head and to actually making it happen so actually that this did you have a lot of capital or, or how this did this uh, begin since from the idea to to become this business this is your first successful business so how did this happen yeah, well, I just had an idea. You know, I think I think real money doesn't flow to people with fancy degrees, you know, the big Harvard or Stanford or any college degree. Real money doesn't flow to people with college degrees and real money doesn't flow to people that have great sales skills. Real money flows to problem solvers and to the extent that you can use your education or use your interpersonal skills to solve bigger problems, you're going to make more money. And so what I what I started doing was looking for opportunities like where I'd sit in the boardrooms at the company I work for and they would say the problem is the problem is the problem is our customers are getting older. The problem is there's not enough young people coming into the industry. The problem is if our customers all shut their businesses down, there's not going to be anybody to sell our product. So I was sitting there listening to all these older sales managers and, and vice presidents talk about the problem, the problem, the problem. And one day I'm like, well, if there's not enough young people to buy these businesses and the business owners are just shutting the businesses down, why don't I go to the business owners, leave where I'm at and say, I'll buy your business for a little bit of money and I'll go hire people and put them in the business. And that was my first company. I just, I just viewed all the problems as an opportunity. And I, I sat around in those meetings thinking to myself, if this is such a big issue, why isn't somebody doing something about it? Why aren't they recruiting a, a bunch of young people and training them to take these businesses over? Why? And so when I approached the owner and he's like, oh no, we can't, we're a manufacturer. We can't be competitors to our customers. And I'm like, okay, so you sit around and you talk about all the problems. The problems about your customers going away, the problems there's not enough people coming into the marketplace, but yet you're not gonna solve that problem. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll just quit my job and go do it myself. <laughs> Love that. I read uh, about Sonus and I also read that you started and kind of like grew the business and then you shared about being replaced. Um, yeah, well, so that was a big learning curve because, yeah. you know, I started Sonus. It was my first company. That's yeah. the one where I'm like, okay, I'll go buy these hearing aid offices and I'll put people in there. And I started doing that. And, and, and over seven years, I acquired 130 businesses and started franchising. And I was private equity back, took it public on the American stock. I did all that before I was 29. I did, I did more stuff before I was 29 years old than anyone said I'd be able to accomplish 
after leaving high school. I was like the worst in school. I was average in sports. Um, people would be like, oh, you should just get a good job. You know, you're not really smart enough to do anything big. But you know, the thing I had versus those people is I had courage. Like I didn't care if I lost, but I knew I didn't want to stay in a small town working at a at a restaurant or or working at a tire company. I like I wanted to do something. And and so I just kept putting myself in positions that other people were unwilling to put themselves in the position. And because of that, I was the only one standing there doing what I was doing. So the the you know, I had a lot of rejection too. So the thing I tell business owners is like when you have a good idea and and you can't go to you know, you got to go get people to believe in you. You got to have some kind of work ethic and you got to be willing and be all in and be committed. And if you're going to raise capital, you got to like work your ass off and put your investors first. These were all things I was doing, but at some point my private equity group's like, Hey, we're getting all our returns. The markets, you know, mm-hmm. 2001, 911 happened and they came, they had a board meeting. They're like, Hey, we're kicking you to chairman. And we're going to bring a new guy in and sell your company. And I'm like, what? So, so look, the, the penalty is when you use other people's money, they control your business and your destiny. Wow. Okay. So, so basically it, it really motivated you to, uh, like start a new one right after, like it didn't, it didn't set you back. Yeah. In well, after a few years of yeah. being, after a few years of being, a, you know, being bitter and being angry yeah. and being a little bitch complaining to everybody. And then one day my buddy said to me, you don't sound like the guy I knew 10 years ago that was willing to, you know, like get your shit together and go do something bigger. So, so yeah. what I did is I took a piece of paper out and I said, here's all the things I did really well. And here's the things, if I had an opportunity to do it over again, I would do it differently. And one of the things was I would never use somebody else's money. And, and because I wasn't going to use somebody else's money, I wouldn't have to give up control of my company because that's what happened last time. I used other people's money, gave up control of my company, and then they determined when they wanted to sell it versus me. So, so I set some rules and then I'm like, if I can figure out how to build a business playing by these rules, then I can teach other people how to build businesses playing by these rules. And so that was the company that I launched after Sonus, which was called Audigy Group. I launched it in 2004 with the principles of how to build and grow a business without using other people's money, without accessing debt by creating massive value for other people. And that business, I grew it over 14 years, never had a non-profitable month built up huge cash reserves, developed all sorts of technology and operating systems. And I sold it to a billion dollar public company for an outrageous amount of money. And then went in and deployed inside that company internationally. And in 36 months, we added over $3 billion worth of value. Unbelievable. Wow. That that's, that's crazy. That that's truly, by the way, that's truly success. Yeah. That's truly success after getting kicked in the head with failure. It's the rebound from learning from the failure. So when people let the failure control them or crush them, I just want to be an inspiration to tell you, convert that failure to the opportunity. Like, okay, so what? You made all these mistakes and you you did things wrong and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? What'd you (laughs) learn from it? How are you going to do it different? And then when you go do it different, teach other people how to do it. And you'll just create a massive business teaching other people how to succeed i love that and in, in the meantime you you all you also had a family right because you i mean i heard you mention you had a newborn coming up well that was back in in 95 i've got i've got three beautiful daughters uh 30 years old 27 years old 17 years old i have 
three amazing grandchildren, six, four, and two. So, you know, we've got a wonderful family. I have an amazing wife. Uh, she's my third wife. We've been together for seven and a half, eight years, been married now. We were supposed to get married during COVID, but we've been married now just over a year. And she's also my business partner and she runs Cardone Ventures. So we're business partners, we're spouses, wow. and we're best friends. So I have I have like the best life. So she runs Cardone Ventures because that, that is the next topic. She's the that president of the about. company. Yep. That is amazing. Yep. She's a co-founder and president of the company. Yep. Has, has that always been like that when you guys first knew each other back in 95? Like, ha, has that always been like, kind of like working together? Well, that was balanced? two wives ago. That was, th oh. that was my first wife. <laughs> so, so Natalie's my third wife. Okay. You know, so it. you got learn it. a lot when you screw up two, when you screw up two relationships, you, you, sh you should learn a lot and improve. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole relationship the whole relationship thing, I wasn't very good at the first time or the second time, but uh, I feel like we've really figured out how to do it the third time. It's been a, remarkable. Um, but I've known Natalie, her mother has been my doctor for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I've known Natalie for a long time. She's a remarkable human being, and I knew she would be a massive asset, not only to me personally, but to the business world. Amazing. How did you meet your third wife? Sorry. Her mom was my doctor for 20 years. I've known her since she was a kid. Wow. Amazing. This takes so I have a lot of insight. Like question something is, uh, what do you think that you can like bring as a, such a successful man to your family, like in core values? Like what do you think should be your role? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think, you know, it's like all leadership roles. I, th I think you need to have resilience and strength and, 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 and the thing is, just like for the business owners we serve, you got to be committed to protecting them and taking care of them and fighting for them, not fighting with them. You know, a lot of businesses start out as partnerships and they disintegrate over time because the partners start fighting. And, and so the one thing I'll, I'll say is that when you enter into partnerships, you should both make a commitment. You're going to be the best partners anybody could ever have. And you're going to be fighting to protect each other versus fighting against each other. And so I, I just, I, it took me a while to learn that, but it's been such an unbelievable transformation in my life to actually have a partner where we're fighting together to win and we have each other's backs versus wow. fighting with each other about all the things that could go wrong. That, that is beautiful. Powerful. Yeah, because we speak to a lot of different entrepreneurs, individuals and unique personas, public figures, you name it. And a lot like actually yesterday we had a podcast with a relationship coach, the number one relationship coach now in the US. And um, it, it, it remains such a challenge to find a way where you can work together on such a basis where it's healthy and also remain in your masculine and feminine energy and kind of like you know, complement each other in the roles of respecting that, you know? So um, was that a natural process for you, Brandon? Because I, I really want to elaborate a little bit on that because I think that is really, truly inspiring and can help a lot of people, including myself. Like, how do you manage that? And is that is that an organic process or do you have to work on that? I, I thought in the first marriage and the yeah. second marriage that it was an organic process, but I'm here to declare, at least for me, that it has to be a strategy. 
And so it's not going to happen organically. And, and so what, what Natalie and I did, this is actually how we found Grant and Elena Cardona is Natalie started reading Elena's book and in Elena's book, it talked about how to, and so I deployed what we learned from Elena's book into the business world and Natalie deployed it and I deployed it into our personal relationship. And what Elena has you do is on the left column, she'd have like, for example, me write down all my personal goals and the things I want to accomplish and the things that are important to me. On the right side column, she'd have Natalie go through and do the same thing. And in the center column, Natalie and I would work together to identify the things that were important to us. And then what we do is agree to prioritize the stuff in the center. And then we'd each get to pick some of the things on the outer flanks that were important to her and important to me. And then our, our deal is we support each other in the center and the center always is more important than on each side of it. But because these personal goals on the outer side, what we've found over time is we deprioritize that because we're winning so much in the center column and we're accelerating together so fast that working together, it's an accelerant to our goals. So the outer goals become less important because the inner goals become so much bigger. And so this has been something we learned and, and it's something I teach business owners and it's something that if you learn how to do it, I think, because what, what I find in businesses is people start fighting over what's wrong. And what I found in my past relationships is you spend your time talking about what's wrong. And what you think is what you say, what you say is what you do, what you do is what you're known for. So whatever you focus on, you're gonna find more of. It's, it's, it's law of attraction. Law of attraction happens from law of intention, law of action, then law of attraction. It doesn't happen by accident. Well, intentionality comes from whatever you're focusing on. So whatever you're talking about, whatever you're focusing on, whatever you're declaring, you're going to attract into your life. Well, I didn't understand this version one or two of myself. So what we spend our time talking about is exactly what we want to attract in our life versus the things that are wrong, because whatever you talk about, you'll find more of. So our secret is talking about where we're going, talking about what our future goals are, talking about our future accomplishments, ha spending time, especially under stress or duress or fear or anxiety or the markets are going bad or what yeah. if something, instead of spending any energy on that, we're like, where are we going to be at in a year? Where are we going to be at in 10 years? What does it look like setting our postulates and only and intentionally talking about postulates and not talking about the things that could detract us or derail us or move us away from our goals. Too many people spend their time talking about their fears, their anxieties, their stresses, their angers. And so when you do that, all you can find is more of that. I love this. I do have to ask though, because this, this sounds like a dream come true, right? You say you're living your dream. Like I, I, I hear you, you guys argue at all. Uh, like I said, we fight, for each other so for if i'm other. in an argument with natalie it's because she's not doing something that she is capable or wanting to do because she's sacrificing it for something else so i'm fighting mm -hmm. for her and sometimes that creates conflict because you need to have a healthy conflict yeah. but it's like she'll she like if she or i come in and make a complaint so let's say i come in and i'm like i'm i'm, I'm irritated because i didn't do this thing or that thing or i didn't have time she's like well make time like like, why are you blaming an <laughs> external force? It's not, she's not consuming my time. Yeah. I'm allowing something else to consume my time. So, so like when Natalie comes in and she's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm a little hesitant. I want, I want to do a book, but I'm afraid I'm like, 
you know, fuck fear, write your book. Right. And so she does. And I didn't think she would. And I've been talking about writing a book for 10 years. So now she's like, you're the one that's afraid because you've been talking about writing a book for 10 years. You haven't written a book. I wrote a book. I did it within 90 days. So why are you being yeah. a little bitch about writing a book? So now I'm writing a book. So, so look, what we do is we try to fight for each other yeah. versus against each other. And, and so, yes, we argue we're couples, right? You yeah. argue about where you're going to eat or somebody's not giving you enough attention or what do you want to watch for TV or, you know, all that silly bullshit. But what you got to do is convert the argument into, into something that's funny. Yeah. So, so as soon as we find ourselves going down that track, we both just start laughing and she's amazing. By the way, she'll say to me, I'll do something and make her mad. And she'll say, would you, you need to apologize and then it's going to be okay. So I just literally look at her and say, I'm sorry. And she's like, okay. And then we're over. Right? <laughs> so, I love that, we, man. Yeah. Look, there's an advantage that we have. And Natalie and I shot um, a whole bunch of shows in, in a podcast we created because we're in an age gap relationship. So she's 25 years younger than me. And one of the things that we talked about on the show was, is the recognition that I'm twice her age. So I'm going to die about halfway through her life. I'm probably statistically going to die. So what she's proclaimed is I'm not going to pick moments of time to fight or be right, because there's going to be a point in time where he won't even be here. So I want the time that we are together to be the highest quality time possible versus detracting from yeah. enjoying that time together. So we made that affirmation and commitment to each other. And so we just choose not to fight. Like it's just, it's just, it's just something we don't have in our energy. relationship. Beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful, man. Very profound. Love that, you know, uh, we elaborate on this a little bit because, uh, you know, that that's really, really amazing. Uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, because we, we went through the website and you know also what what you what you do. I obviously uh, I don't know if you remember, but we know each other back from the clubhouse days, where we had some conversations back and forth. I had some rooms and you came in, and that's kind of like how I met you. Uh, and now I was like, hey, you know, let, let me check on Brandon. And uh, so I kind of like read through your bio, and I didn't see anything of um, Cardone Ventures in there. Uh, so I was going to ask like, is is that consciously? Is that because it's it's your personal website? or uh, maybe it hasn't been been added for another reason um but also when did that start and uh when did you meet grant and kind of like when did you start working together yeah so you must have gone to my beat Austin site you know that's kind yeah. of a generic landing page site if you go to the cardo mentor site or the uh, site you'll you'll see my bio in there i just i i don't really use the beat Austin site um it's it's a little bit stagnant uh because i'm just i'm a leader oh, yeah. and and i'm an organizer i'm a scaling expert uh and i'm a teacher so so i'm i i do about 100 programs a year and, and I enjoy being with a live audience and I enjoy working with entrepreneurs and business owners and I enjoy building infrastructure and, and technology platforms to innovate their business and help them create massive success. And so, because I'm so involved in that, most of my social media and things that you will find out there are videos of me in action doing it versus me shooting a lot of content for social media, because 
I'm educating or teaching or doing something every single day, even if it's my own company. So, so the, the deal is I'm a coach and I'm looking for, I'm a player coach and I'm looking for people who want to succeed personally, professionally, financially. I don't care what they choose to do as long as it's moral, legal, and ethical. Mm -hmm. And if, if so, then, then I'm all in with them as long as they're all in with themselves. And, and so I, I don't spend a whole lot of time putting a lot of personal content out uh, because I'm always doing things with groups. And, and I just find that that's, that's kind of my calling and I have teams to do that for me. Whereas Grant is very good. He's the world's leader at putting out personal content and shooting stuff every day over and over and over and posting. That's just not my style. Although I've, I've, I've come a long ways because when I started working with Grant, I think I had 22 people on my social media channels and they were all family. And, and I never used it for business or anything. So, yeah. so, you know, uh, we're really learning a lot. You know, I, I talked yesterday about context and contrast when Grant used to talk about the more social media he produced, the faster his business grew and he's created since just me partnering with him. He's gone over a billion dollars of crowdfunding. Uh, he's created multi-billion dollars worth of value in his business that I've helped him with. And then in our business that we started from scratch, uh, we just valued the business in our third full year of business. We'll, we're worth just over about $600 million. So creating a business from Deb stop to being over 600 million in 36 months is, is quite an achievement. And I've helped him do that in his business as well. So we're so focused on multi-billion dollar value creation that, that that's all we think about. It's all we talk about. Well, Grant's great at converting that immediately to social media. I'm great at converting that immediately to programs that people can use to deploy in their business. And that's where I spend my time. Most of my studio time is creating content for the business owners we work with to deploy something specifically across 10 different elements they need to have expertise in to grow and scale their business and create massive personal professional value uh, for themselves and the team members that help them grow their business. Amazing. I, I want to get a little personal here because uh, I'm at the age, I think, where uh, you started your first company, like, and it really took off, like 28, 29. I'm 21 now, you're 30. And we just like bought this property here, beautiful Marbella in Spain, beautiful penthouse, still have some property in Amsterdam, which is where I'm from. And um, right now, um, I sold a coffee company, I sold two businesses before. I, um, I'm kind of like at the point where I'm getting into more and more into real estate. And I want to ask you, having now a few properties and some assets and kind of like by being financially fee free to some degree, not by any means getting close to you. But so right now is a tipping point for me where I'm like, okay, I want to narrow down my focus into a new company, real estate company, because I feel that here in Spain, especially in this region where a lot of people will, with money, they come here to buy a villa or, or a house, you know, like here, they don't really even speak Spanish because it's a very concentrated area with expats. So I was like, hey, I see an opportunity here to help people uh, with buying property and kind of like guiding them because you need a lawyer, you need all the like the right people in this wild west, which 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 it is here because there's no regulations like in the US where you need a license or something kind of like regulated to to be a real estate agent. So I was like, I see an opportunity there. What would you advise um, me now being 29, um, kind of like 10xing my company and my life? Um, in this, in this tipping. Yeah. Point. The first yeah. thing I tell you, the first, the first thing I, I tell you is that, uh, 
don't build a business that's built around transaction only. So, so when you talk about helping people buy places, that's great, yeah. but, but, but that's not a sellable business in the future. Cause it's so it's, it's relationship-based personality-based and it's low transaction value. So you can make money selling things, but what are you building into that sellable? So look, if you're going to sell somebody a home, that's great, but then get, get, become their on the ground service contract company that services their house and provides made service and security and, and checks up on it. So you can build something it's called connected versus disconnected. So if you're just selling somebody and helping them through the transaction and then boom, they're out. Well, that's a transactional business that creates money. That's fine, but that's just going to wear you out because it's not scalable. Cause you could have 10 sales one month and one sale the next you could have uh the interest rates go up less purchases you could have all these things inventory issues so what you want to do is think about airbnb you you want to while you're buying things and selling things you want to create another business that's a services business that someone will pay you forever to help them with something so that while you're accumulating these relationships and becoming intimate with them you can convert them to a connected business that recurs revenue over and over and over by having the continuity of the relationship. So I'd never build, it's okay building a transactional business as long as it's intentionally leading to a recurring revenue transformational business. And, and so look, uh, you know, you can monetize the growth of the business through the transactional aspect, but you want to create equity value in the business through the recurring revenue and profitability aspect. So you need to be thinking about how both of those things happen. Otherwise you trap yourself in making a lot of money, but now you're trying to find a different way to invest that money to build your, your passive income up versus building, taking the same energy that you're doing to build the business that generates the cash and then converting it to recurring revenue that has its own equity value and its own passive income value. So learning strategies and thinking big picture. And if I were you, I'd say in 10 years from now, what can I build that when I sell it, I could put 50 million or 100 million in the bank based on whatever target you want mm -hmm. for income. And then I would build the transactional piece and intentionally the recurring revenue piece on something that connects to the transactional piece so that you have a formulated strategy that in 10 years, you're doing enough revenue with enough profitability that it's worth 100 million. Makes sense. Yeah, that reminds me of like what I'm doing now with the property that I already have and I'm renting out like to generate cash flow, right? Um, so so that's something that I, uh, you know, yeah, so that's so, so, yeah. so do so, so be that like go sell a 1000 homes and get multi year contracts where when the owners aren't there, you're managing their homes yeah. for them, and they're paying you a percentage and you're getting a you're getting 20 30% of the deal and you're making it easy for them build a website find the clients, guarantee yeah. them that nobody's going to come in and be reckless and you're going to certify the people using their properties and like create so much value that it's like just so easy that hey I can buy this thing, and it actually makes me money every year and I got a guy on the ground that I don't have to worry about anything. Beautiful. Yeah. Are you, uh, we, we are big on, in, in crypto. I mean, look at the value of Airbnb yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked, I haven't looked uh, I have, have you looked up the Airbnb value? It's, it's probably, just isn't it down? I'm just like a sponge. You should look at it. <laughs> You're saying it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is it down Airbnb? You should. Can you grab Let me, me pull it up there. right now. Are uh, you, you're pulling it up. Okay. Otherwise I'll pull it up. Yeah. I've got it on my ticker okay. symbol. Yeah. Hey, can you grab it right there? Yeah. Thank you. I love that. He's, he's just basically okay. saying start, start the next Airbnb that now that's, that's 10 X. 
let's see. So yeah, no, I think this is, this is extremely phone. powerful and also, um, you know, like looking at land and looking at different things like our assets and also renting them out in combination mm -hmm. with service, because that's also, I think, um, you know, generating a lot of cash flow. Yeah, whereas, yeah. Very important because this is actually a ba ba backy mm -hmm. destination. So some people get their property, but they are not here the rest of the year. Yeah, they just come here for the summertime. Even when we when we bought, like, there's no after sales. There's no like, oh, how can we help you further? You know, let do let's do some property management. Nothing of that. Yeah. Were you able to? Yeah. Look so it up, so look, yeah. look, they're. Yeah, they're down. They're down from where they were in 2020, you know, in 2020. Uh, but but this is my bigger point. Despite being down by over half, they still have a $60 billion market cap. Yeah. So, so look, like, are we going to criticize them because they're off when the markets are off? The fact is they still have a $60 billion business. So if you had, yeah. if you own 5% of that company, you're, you're, you're worth a shitload of money. So, <laughs> so like you want to have your own, but, but, but what I'm talking, yeah. what I'm talking about though, is that when you, when you design your business plan, think of, I'm going to generate money doing something transactionally, but it's with the purpose of having something that has lots of recurring revenue with those same relationships I'm generating. Cause that's building a connected business that complements. And, and so you want to build something that creates intrinsic value over long periods of time, not just daily cash flow. You mentioned earlier, you're not in cryptocurrency, right? Uh, correct. Why, why is that? Um, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in, in fact, I'm one of the first people that created a digital currency. It just wasn't digital. You know, oh, wow. blockchain, what I built. Yeah. So think about this. I built my last company by giving equity to my clients instead of raising capital. I gave equity in my business to my clients for doing business with me. I uh -huh. tokenized our relationship and there was no such thing as blockchain. So we managed it on a general ledger. But at the end of the day, I sold the business. And when I did, I wired 45 million, a third of the sales price to my customers for doing business with me. That's really the kind of currency. I wanna use asset backed currencies that actually have something to do with, with, with monetizing the ecosystem. Whereas cryptocurrencies in my mind is a Ponzi scheme. It's like really? I buy something, I sell it for more money, but there is, well, it's not backed by anything. Uh, it's only backed yeah. by the extent that there's a buyer it's only back to the extent that there's a buyer for it. So you buy it low, you sell it high, but there's, there's, it's not an asset back currency. I liked asset back. So I believed in digital, I believe, and we're going to be announcing digital currency strategies that we have that we just got SEC approved for with one of our partner companies, because we are going to bring a digital currency two small businesses that currently don't have access to Wall Street and we will have our own trading exchange. We've already got it approved uh, in different parts of the world and we just got it approved in the United States. So we will create an exchange of uh, that will be a digital currency. It'll be like a mini stock exchange and you'll be able to issue coins against asset backed assets because we, instead of having uh, crypto, we want to have a, uh, a digital currency that's truly backed by assets. 
That's that's. I just don't view crypto as being backed by. Yeah, yeah, by assets like if like crypto could go to yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Actual physical assets. True. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer's mentioning that I'm that I'm building something with Escura Global right now, where we allow other people to have fractional real estate investing through blockchain technology. Basically, we buy under a company. We buy hotels like luxury because that's what I do, like luxury hotels and travel. And, um, and that's a great use case for NFTs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th that's like what well, we're, we're we also want to like have some tokenomics in that. So very similar to what you described is what yep. we're uh, what we're building. Um, so I love that, man. And um, lastly, I wanted to ask you, um, a lot of people probably already asked you as well, what do you think is going to happen in the next year? Uh, maybe very soon with the market? Do you think it's going to crash? Do you think we're going to enter a big recession? Do you think it's smart to buy property right now? Or do you think we should wait and ride the wave right now? Uh, I definitely think there's going to be there's going to be a huge squeeze on liquidity for people. I don't think they're going to run out and be buying top of the price market uh, properties uh, in certain parts of the world. There are other parts of the world where the market's always going to be good. Uh, South Florida, the market's great. Um, but but supply and demand, and if people can't get cheap money, they're not going to spend inflated prices for properties they love if the money is also really super expensive. I, I think there's going to be a huge uh, compression and, and contraction over the next 18 months. Um, and, it's, and you're going to have supply chain logistics. You're going to have fuel logistic issues. You're going to have wars going on. You're going to have all sorts of stupid, silly shit. Like the stuff that's happening in the United States is 100% self-induced based on policy. And when you have horrible policy, you get, you get contraction and you get disruption in the marketplace. So until the policy gets fixed, there's not a whole lot of places it can go to because people's confidence is what drives consumers to make spending decisions. And if their confidence is low, their spending will be low. But I think in the business world, it's going to be one of the greatest opportunities ever in the history of the world. If you're interested in, in, in doing something in business, there's trillions of dollars of wealth transfer happening. And, and it's happening from people who created their net worth to estates that are managed by fiduciaries that need mm -hmm. to generate income for those estates because the people in the estate or the charities in the estates don't have the ability to generate more money because they're not the entrepreneurs. And so when that wealth transfer happens, most of it is going to be in the equity value of businesses. So there's going to be trillions of dollars of businesses that are going to trade hands. Interest rates are super high. So it's going to be very difficult for, for non-professionals to go get access to capital because of the exposure of the rates. They won't be able to afford it. So price of businesses are going to drop structures of how to buy a business are going to be more flexible because business owners want to retire and they don't have as many buyers. And if you're, if you're good at operating a business, there's going to be a huge run on, on so many different kinds of businesses that from a business climate standpoint and opportunity, I think the next 36 months is going to be better than it's ever been in the history of time. So I'm really super bullish on people that have courage. You know, fear is a bigger motivator than opportunity. So when things start getting rocky, people start bailing and lowering expectations. But those are the times that are the best times to buy. I mean, when was the best time to buy cryptocurrency? Was it when it was at 
what, 60 or $70,000 or when it went from 20 down to six? Well, El Salvador, the uh, Wubat at the top, huh? He bought at 60K. And I think um, he, he got in big trouble right now because it went all the way back to 20K. <laughs> he bought at the peak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and now it will be a good time to actually jump in. Yeah. If, if, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, I don't know if we're going to see another dip, though. Um, you know, it, no, we're still in a bear know. market. So I, don't, I don't really, yeah. I don't track it. You know, I yeah. think, I think, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want, I think there's, I do believe there's a lot of people that don't want people to know what money they have and where they have it and what they're doing with it. And, yeah. and, and, and so I think there's a lot of advantage, but the as the government tries to come in and start regulating that stuff, it takes value out of the equation. True. I, I do, however, want to say that decentralized finance is something that I see is going to be the future. Like I do believe that if you have a ledger, like you mentioned earlier, like there is ways to make it very hard to track what money you have and where it is with, and that, that's, that, I think, the beautiful I, thing about I, I promise you yeah. a thousand percent align that decentralized ledgers because people can trade amongst mm -hmm. themselves and gain value, but, the, but there's no way to measure the tax implications. So, so, you know, that's how this world, that's how commerce was created. People used to trade their sheep for uh, something else. So they used to trade their, piece of land, the use of a piece of land for exchange of whatever the crop was that was delivered. That is how, that, that's how the first economies were created yeah. is through exchange. And I think, I think that we're going to see the reemergence of that type of stuff, but it's got to be tracked digitally and it's got to have something attached to it so people can actually remember what they have and who's got it and all the complications that comes around with that. So I think a decentralized economy is 100% a necessity. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. Well, we, we agree, agree on that for sure. Um, you, have, you have any last questions for uh, Brendan? No. No? no I'm good. Always want to. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Brendan, I really want to appreciate your time and I also want to always give the last word to the guests. Uh, if you have anything you want to maybe um, leave the audience with, uh, us with advice uh, or anything else you want to say and where people can vi find you. Uh, on Instagram and, uh, and website? Yeah, it's really easy. Um, the thing that is almost always most current is my Instagram at Brandon M. Dawson. Um, you can, of course, find us at cardoventures.com. Um, the, the, the thing I would say for everyone that's listening to this or watching it or however you're putting it out in the marketplace is, you know, Pick what you want to do in life. Don't, don't be conditioned by the people around you. Remember that most people, other people's belief systems have been constructed through their own failures and the failures of other people around them that have conditioned them. And, and those failures don't really have a true representation on what is available to you in this world. You need to pick your target and be all in on going towards target and, and just learn and be smart about how you move in that direction. But the most important thing to do is drown out the people that are not examples to you. Focus on the people that are mm -hmm. examples, model, mimic, and master what they've done. Ignore everybody else. And as a guy that I was told I was barely lucky to get out of high school, ignore everyone who wants to kill your dreams and don't even waste your time talking to them about what you want to accomplish. Fill that time with something you're learning that you can apply to move you to your stated goals and objectives and pull time and money forward towards your, your goals and just ignore everyone else. That's the best advice 
There's more people that would rather see you fail so they don't have to justify their their inaction than that would want to see you succeed. And when you do succeed, they'll tell you you're lucky. So you might as well just <laughs> bypass all that and go straight to whatever your goals are. Love that, Brandon. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully do another one in the future. And um, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks thank for having you. me on appreciate your show. Appreciate it. Thank you.